thought you said we lost him. I found y'all! <laughs> Thank goodness for that star. If it weren't for that star, I wouldn't have found you guys. Pretty convenient that now you can read the stars. Oh no, just that big super bright one. I mean, it's like, blam! <laughs> but I'm still gonna need directions home. Can someone write that down for me? We don't have time for this. We're going to see the Messiah. Look at us, the four wise men. We're inseparable. More like insufferable. Speaking of suffering, my feet can't taste much more walking. It's been three years. We should have been home by now. You guys can blame me all day for losing those camels, but you all knew going into this that my double hitch knot needed a little work. <clears throat> Why don't we proceed in silence, reverent silence, in honor of the Messiah? Totally cool with that. Good. So, I was thinking about my gift. I mean, what baby needs white jade anyway, right? <laughs> We've been over this a thousand times. White jade represents his purity and goodness. The gold represents his royalty. The burning of frankincense reminds us that the aura of God is around us at all times, and the myrrh is to anoint him as king of kings. Right, 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 just listen, listen, I think. I think I found a better gift. A gift that'll make everyone forget that I lost the white jade. You what? I mean, I think a gift that makes the white jade just look like nothing, a gift that's better than the white jade that I replaced. You replaced with what? The greatest gift of all. Oh yeah. Wait for it, wait for it. Blam! Hummus! <laughs> you must be kidding. Do you mean you must be kidding? Cause I'm not, I'm not kidding at all. Hummus is delicious, okay? And, and it's very, it's very symbolic. People unite together when they see hummus. Much like a savior. Okay, okay. This is my bad, this is on me. You guys go see the Messiah, I'll just stay here. I think that would be best, but at least you have a snack. Yeah. I just thought it just doesn't matter what we bring this little king. He doesn't need any of our gifts. I mean, you know, he's a savior. I mean, he's a he's a gift to us. Maybe I was hoping he's bigger than all my mistakes. Yeah, I guess that's what I was hoping. All right, I'll see you guys later. Why are you doing that? Because I hope he's that kind of a savior too. Let's go. I wish someone had some pita bread. Blam! Who's got hummus on the uh, menu later, anybody? <laughs> now you do. One of the reasons I, I like to, that clip is because it brings into focus what we, as we look at the prophecy fulfilled around the Bethlehem candle that symbolizes faith is that the idea that anyone can come to Christ. Not everyone will, 
but anyone can. And, and that's something I think we, we, especially if you've been in church a long time, you take for granted. You shouldn't. That no matter who you are, what you've done, you may come by faith to this Messiah who is Jesus. Let's pray as we go to his word. Lord, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to sing praises to your name, for our worship team, um, for leading us, for thank you for Tom leading us through the, the Lord's Supper. And God, just the opportunity for our kids to learn downstairs. We are so over thankful for, for you and your provision of that. I pray for our time together that you would just um, save where you need to save and um, encourage, convict, help, oh Lord, through your word, through your truth. You know what we need. We ask for you to give it. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, we're actually going to look at a couple of prophecies. That's what we've been, we're going to be doing in this Advent um, series is looking at some Old Testament prophecies and how the birth of Christ fulfilled those. Uh, we began last week with hope, and this week it's, it's, it's faith. And so we will look at the, the um, uh, Micah prophecy that was just read. But first we're going to look at one all the way back in, in the book of Numbers. But uh, before we do that, uh, we, um, you know, last night, I, I, it was pretty funny. It was the first night in Oxbridge was last night, so we um, uh, some people are downtown, and all some of you might have been there. It was raining, so that's kind of sad. But uh, for the second year in a row, I got up to preach. I forgot this happened. Fireworks start going off. So if any of you want to start a ministry like that, you know, maybe just the fireworks ministry. Anytime I'm preaching, I think that'd be pretty cool. It's a little distracting, but it gives a little more pep to people. You know, there's fireworks going on. Um, so that was interesting. Well, hopefully I'll remember that next year. Uh, you, you know, the, the, um, the, this prophecy, I'm just going to give you one verse um, from Numbers. It was uh, pretty early in, in Israelite history. And in this, the king of Moab just couldn't stand God's people and wanted a prophet to curse them. And so he found a slimy, willing to take any kind of money to say whatever you want to say type prophet. Those are the worst. But they'll tell you what you want to hear. We have them today. Tickle your ears as long as you pay up, right? And so he found one, the king did. His name was Balaam. And Balaam was on his way to, to do that. And he came face to face, weirdest story, one of the weirdest stories in the Bible for sure, face to face with a talking donkey. There is another word for donkey, but we're in church, and so I will not say it. But there is some sermon material there, right? Like, God used a donkey to be better than this Balaam. And if God can use a donkey, he can use you too, right? So don't forget that. So as Balaam comes face to face with this donkey, the donkey says, hey, you're going to die if you don't say what God tells you to say, not what the king wants you to say. So Balaam, to save his own skin, actually gives true oracles from God. Um, later on, he would betray God's people, but uh, he, he, in this time, he's actually given truth that God gave him. And he gives a series of oracles. And in the last one, he gives this oracle this, this prophecy that became incredibly well-known amongst God's people for generations as a messianic prophecy. There's someone in the future who's going to come. So look, look with me, Numbers 24, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab. I'm sure the king loved that one, right? And break down all the sons of, of Sheth. 
And so <clears throat> this, this is a, a prediction of a king. Because uh, there's two symbols for royalty. There's the star, which was often a, a symbol for, for a king, and a scepter. If you remember the story of Esther, the king held out the scepter, right? So, so they're, they're, they're meant to see that there will be this Messiah who's going to come, and he's going to be a king, and he's going to rule, and he's going to crush uh, uh, all of God's enemies, right? And so that became a beloved prophecy for a long, 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 long time. Now, I don't want to go too quickly, but I want to bring you to Micah. We'll put those back to back and then before we see how it got fulfilled. And, and so Micah was a prophet contemporary of Isaiah. And just like a lot of prophets, he spent a lot of time telling, warning the people that they're going to be judged by God because of their sin, their rebellion, their idol worship. Like, so a lot of just bad news there, um, but their own doing. And, 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 he's gonna, he, and that judgment was going to come in the form of an army, and it was going to be Assyria first, and then eventually Babylon, and then exile. We talked about that a little bit last week. And so uh, in the middle of a lot of those warning passages, though, Micah has these little notes of hope. That even though this is going to happen, it's not the end of the story. That God will still redeem, that God will still bless, that God will still save, he will still rule and reign, and there will be this figure, this Messiah who is to come, okay? So you can see the bad news first here um, in verse one. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. So that's judgment. You're going to be judged for your sin. But, verse 2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, you're little Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me, for God, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And so this, this Bethlehem was a kind of a pathetic little town. It just wasn't much, right? Like, uh, it wasn't very big, didn't have much happening. But in the days of Micah, it was, still was a famous place. You know why? There was a very famous man who was born there already. And his name was David. And, and yet, it was a humble place, and David was humble, right? He was born, he was a shepherd. And so pathetic that when Samuel the prophet told Jesse, David's father, that one of his sons was going to be a king, he brought all of his sons before Samuel, except for David. Didn't, I mean, not him. Man, I'm telling you, if even your own dad's like, yeah, I don't think so, it's probably not good news. And so David is as humble as possible, but they knew he rose to be the greatest king that Israel had ever seen, a man after God's own heart. And so this prophecy says that at some point in the future, that same humble little town is going to produce a future king who's going to be even greater than David. And that's what they clung to. But Micah, uh, he, he keeps going in, in verse 3. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who was in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty, in the name of the Lord his God. I want you to notice that word shepherd. Shepherd his flock, because we'll get back to that. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Not just a nice, easy feeling, but rightness with God and one another. That's what he's going to bring. 
But I love, as I, I mentioned, that word shepherd, right? That the prophecy was this Messiah is coming. He's not just coming to, to be a king. He is. He's not just coming to be a savior. He, he is. But he's also coming to be shepherd, to shepherd his flock. Again, thinking like David, except not animals, people. And that word shepherd, it always, it's connected to this, this phrase, great compassion. Think about dumb animal sheep, right? They die within three seconds without help, right? They can do nothing, and yet the shepherd, with great compassion and care, watches them, cares for them, feeds them, leads them, you know, protects them, sacrifices for them. That's the shepherd. And so this king is also going to be a shepherd with great compassion, with tremendous compassion. Now, when we look at the fulfillment in Matthew chapter 2, this would be far more, uh, whether you have a church background or not, you kind of know this story for sure, um, is that I want you to remember that now hundreds of years have gone by. So when you get to this point, it's like they knew these prophecies inside and out. They knew this guy, this Messiah is going to come, they're going to be born in Bethlehem, blah, 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 right? It became commonplace. It's probably not going to happen in our lifetime. It hasn't happened in so long. Maybe it won't even happen. No one wants to voice that, but they're kind of thinking that because they're definitely living like that. And I point that out because the temptation is there for us today because so many generations have gone by before, without the Lord Jesus coming back. It's easy to say, yeah, I believe he's coming back, but to not live for his kingdom but for ours because it probably won't happen in our day and kind of shrug our shoulders at what he's doing. You see, Advent means arrival. And so when we celebrate Advent, it's the arrival of, of someone or something very special. And so we celebrate the Advent or the arrival of Jesus. But has he fulfilled all of the prophecies? Not yet. So we're waiting for some of them still to be fulfilled. And so looking back and seeing what he's already done fills us with faith to live with the understanding that he's coming back to fulfill the rest. And so we see that commonplace sort of eh, shrugging your shoulders all over the place here. Now, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, sorry, let me get back to it. Here we go. Maybe not. Okay, there we go, all right. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, so there you go, of Judea, which is a more common term for the region Bethlehem was in. In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So we, heard, we met Herod last week, not a good guy, decided to slaughter a bunch of babies just to make sure this king doesn't get born. He's gonna try to trick these magi, these wise men. Um, they uh, came most likely from Persia, but somewhere from the east. And the big thing you gotta understand about these wise men is they, they were foreigners. They weren't part of God's people at all. They had probably studied a lot of different religious documents and, and, and they heard about this prophecy of this star, right? And that this new king of the Jews is gonna be born. And so, so they, they're gonna see this, this star. This is what they're saying when they come to Jerusalem. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. All right, we've come to worship him. And you're gonna see the, the contrast between God's people who should have recognized he's here to these foreigners who have no business with God at all. 
right? They're here. And of course, they go to Jerusalem because they assume, well, royalty, uh, uh, that's the city of, of the kings, the city of David, right? Um, so when they, when they get there, they're, they're talking to Herod. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now, that word troubled means great distress, not just, you know, like, oh, man, what is this? What? We're going to have to do something about this. And here's the really sad part. We recognize Herod's a horrible person, but all Jerusalem was troubled with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And of course, here's the thing. They know, right? What did they, what did they um, tell him? They know. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They quote the prophet himself. They know it here. And that's important to know it here. But you've got to know it here. This is where life's, life gets changed. Not just to sort of ascribe to certain facts about Jesus, but to truly understand who he is who he really is. And so they, they know and they tell Herod. So, of course, Her- Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared so that he'd know what age to start killing kids. So, great guy. All right? Merry Christmas. And, and it says, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. That's not in your Bible, so I just want you to know that. My very poor addition to Scripture, okay? But he was definitely lying, right? They didn't have any reason to, to know that. But after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. By now, they were settled in a house. This wasn't still the manger, by the way. Um, and they, they see the star, so they figured that's where he's, he's born. So when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Like, can you be more joyous than that, right? To rejoice exceedingly, by the way, with great joy, just in case you didn't get it. That's the theme of everyone who comes in contact with Christ when they're seeking him, is joy. And so they have this tremendous uh, joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell down, and they worshiped him. And it closes um, this way. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. No hummus, sorry, right? That we know of. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So why? Because like, I know we get used to, because you know, this story is so well known and it's been with us for so long. But why would Matthew choose to put this in his gospel? Why did God say, put this, this kind of weird story about these foreigners who came, right? Why? I think there's a couple of major reasons. First, it is to build our faith because we realize how much God has fulfilled, right? That the prophecies from so long ago, he's doing it right before their eyes. But secondly, he chooses foreigners as to come and to actually recognize who Jesus is. This is gonna profoundly break down barriers and walls that had already always existed before and to scream out anyone can come to this Messiah. Anyone. You're not outside because of your ethnicity or your culture or you're you're not. You can come by faith. 
And they are pictures of perfect disciples. Think about it. They see Christ, and when they, they worship him, they sacrifice and give because he's worthy, and then they obey him. I didn't even know, okay, go, some, go a different direction, right? And, and I'm not really understanding why, but they, the Lord said to go, go. And, and Matthew shows all of Jerusalem who should have recognized him, should have been waiting, should have been prepared, and they weren't. They were troubled over this sign. The contrast shows that anyone, anyone can come. The qu- first question I have for you out of this is do you have faith that God has fulfilled his promise to save anyone? Do you believe that? Even you. Even you. I brought with me, I don't know if you noticed, I, I saw it went missing. Thankfully, it made its way back. A hula hoop. Don't get excited. I'm not hula hooping here today. I would pull every muscle in my body if I tried to do that. So I'm not particularly good at it anyway. Um, but I brought it more to just kind of display inside, and right now I'm on the outside. Okay? And so what this is saying is that anyone, when I was, I was sitting back there, we took the Lord's Supper. One of the things I took note is I saw people walking up and past me and all of that is how different we are. Right? There's so many differences of age and skin color and culture and, and, and all different, right? And yet, we're all coming to the same table. It's a perfect uh, picture of anyone, anyone by faith. It won't be everyone, right? But here's the thing. The only, see, every other religious system that exists, right, every other one. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the, oh, God just lets everyone, like, that's a fairy tale. Like, there's not something based on anything. I'm talking about other religions. They all have an in and an out, right? Except for all of those other ones, the in is based on your works, your performance, your culture, how good you've been, how religious, all of it. And you're out if you don't do those things. But faith in Christ is the only one ever, ever, that the only one keeping you out is you. It's not him. You're invited by faith because it's by grace. Like you said, it's, it's, it, no matter what your ethnicity, what your culture, what your age, what your background, how much you've read or not read your Bible, right, it, uh, you are invited in by faith. Isn't that amazing? Like we take it for granted, I think. We shouldn't. Right, like, like, and I know there's some of you maybe sitting right now and you're like, yeah, Jamie, if you knew the things I've done in my life. You, what you're saying is that your sin, that Jesus looks at you and goes, ooh, I did not see that coming at all. I mean, I, I paid for a lot on the cross, but that, you're out. No, right? The cross is big enough for you, for anyone who will but believe Right? And, and I want you to remember, it's by faith. So it's only the hard heart of unbelief that keeps me out. And, and, and Christians, because I know there's a lot of you that are already Christians. You're already in, you've trusted Christ, right? I want you to remember that this faith is an everyday faith. Yes, there is a time of conversion, absolutely. But then we're working it out day by day. You, you don't think you have doubts? Because some of you aren't a Christian because you're like, well, I don't have all my, I have some questions. And I, I get it. Let me do this. If you're a Christian already and you still have some questions that you're really not sure about when it comes to God and your faith, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Keep them up. Look around. All right. We either got all these people or liars because the rest of you are liars, okay? 
That's okay. You're saved. Don't worry about it, all right? Okay, so, so the, the idea, though, is I got questions. You're not, yes, it's a reasonable faith, but it isn't, it isn't you're not going to, if you're just waiting for every single one of your doubts to be subsided, all of your questions to be answered before you put your faith in Christ, it's never going to happen. Every day I have uh, uh, doubts. Every day I, I, I struggle. Like, I can't be more honest with you. I mean, I'm a pastor, right? Aren't I supposed to always have full 100% faith all the time? Well, I don't. Every day it is a battle. I am clinging to the truth of Jesus. I will not let the enemy cast that doubt. But it's still a battle. It's by faith. By faith. If you're uh, on the outside, and you're like, yeah, Jamie, but here's the thing. Right, I, I, I kind of lo- love the idea of God, but you know what? When I read the Bible, when I hear some of the things that, you know, that, that God says about whatever, like I, I just can't, I don't agree with that. I get it. That used to be me. But think about what you're saying, right? Think about what you're saying. You're saying, God, I will believe in you as soon as you agree with me on everything. You know what that makes you? Like, you seem like really great people, but doesn't that scare you a little bit if you were God? Like, last night, you walked into a room and forgot why you went in there. <laughs> right? I still, I, I love my daughter, Grace. She's over there. I still can't ever remember her birth date. I can't remember. I have to text her. Is it the 23rd or the 26th? And she's like, weren't you there, for crying out loud? I was, I was, right? But, but so, like, here's my point. Like, like I'm going to be God no way. So there's going to be things that God says about, about marriage and money and sexuality that are, are, you know, just we might not always like or we might have questions about. Don't let that keep you from trusting what Christ has done. Well, let me do this. If I don't have the authority to do this, but I'll put you on the throne for a second, okay? You're God. You're all-knowing, all-powerful, right? Past, present, future. All of it, okay? That's you. I come up to you and I say, hey, God, um, I got, you know, some, some changes I'd like you to make. Would you say to me, yeah, you know what? I am getting a little old-fashioned, Jamie. Why don't you help me out a little bit? You who can't even remember your daughter's own birthday. Why don't you help me out? Think of how absurd it is. And people do it all the time. I'll believe in God once he agrees with me. Well, then you want to be worshipped as God. And that's what people seem to want. Instead, trust him by faith. There's going, that's my whole point. There's going to be questions. You're going to have struggles. It's good, but don't let it keep you from the best news. Exceedingly great joy. Have you put your faith in this Messiah? He did come, and he is coming again. Second question, all right? And, I, and there's really only two. There's one last thing. I, I don't want to keep you too long. You're, you're already thinking about your hummus. I got it. It's okay. Do you have faith, and this is especially for those of you who are Christians, do you have faith that God has fulfilled his promise to shepherd, remember that word, great compassion, the broken? Do you really believe that? Because aren't you the, among the broken? Yeah, I mean, the Christmas story is full of broken people, like shepherds and these foreigners, even Mary and Joseph, like who are we, right? Like are you kidding me? The whole, all the gospels, sick people, demonically harassed, right? Even the, the, the tons of poor people, the, the, even the rich young ruler, who had everything in this world ever possible, he left sad because he was broken because he didn't have Jesus. That was the point. 
And so this idea that he didn't just come to rule and reign, he came to shepherd. Do you believe that? I want you to picture with me a man, he's in his early 50s. There's no one here, by the way, okay? And, he, and, and he's alone, and he's in a pretty shabby apartment. It doesn't have much furniture because he just made some seriously destructive decisions. He cheated on his wife. She kicked him out, and now his children aren't even speaking to him. A number of years ago, he had trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, but today he sits in, alone in his dingy apartment, head in his hands, face in his hands, and is wondering, could Jesus possibly be with me in this? What do you think? I want you to picture uh, a woman in her uh, early 30s. She just got out of a sober house, and she's sober from drugs for the first time in years. While she was there, she actually came to faith in Christ. But now she's barely can afford her apartment. She doesn't even have the lights on because they cost money barely has the heat turned on. She's sitting there in this dingy room looking out the window at trees where all the leaves are gone, ugh, right? And she sits there alone and the voice inside her head says, you need the pills, the pills, the pills. You need them. And she thinks, could Jesus really be with me in this? What do you think? Whatever your circumstance is or will be, whatever it is, The lie of the enemy is he's not with you in this. He's not with you in this. What did he call himself? The good shepherd. Why would he call himself that? He's remembering back of the promise, and he's saying, I'm the shepherd of your heart, your soul. I am. Like he told a parable, right, that the shepherd that would leave the 99 to go get the one. That might be you. Isn't that awesome to think you're running? He's like, no, so fast. Get back here. Out of great compassion, rescuing you from you, rescuing you from you. Do you believe that Jesus is your shepherd in all of your circumstances? There is no, he said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. These are promises that you can believe. And so he shepherds us Uh, In a way, if you're not a Christian, it's so hard for those of us who are to explain this. I so badly want you to experience. He shepherds you through his spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's like some of you, right? You've walked through some hard times, but you had this joy and this faith, and you still don't know how you did it, right? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. Oh my gosh, it's like the whole room. But you can't even explain it. It's called the presence of the Spirit. It's called the shepherding heart of Jesus, your Lord. Man, if you don't know Christ, I so badly want you to stop trying to do life by yourself. I want you to know him, the shepherd. He shepherds us through his word. Why do you think I stand up here? I'm not up here trying to give you facts to learn. I want you to, to move closer to your heart with Christ. So why do you think the enemy attacks me If you didn't know this, trust me, he does. Constant attack. Because he wants me to fail to share with you the truth that there is a shepherd, there is a savior, there is a king, and he's for you, anyone who might believe. He shepherds us, and I'll leave it with this one, but it's so important, it's one that we often neglect, and that is he shepherds us through God's people, others. 
Like think about how many, how many times you've gone through stuff because of the believers that have come alongside you in your life. That's Jesus. That's him. The idea in America that our faith is individual is not only silly, it's not biblical. There's over 50 commands of one another. How do you do that if you don't have a one another group, right? You need that. So I know there might be some of you, you just dragged yourself to church today, and I think that's a huge blessing and victory that you did. I'm just telling you to take a step. I know there might be a reason it's hard to trust other people. Take a step. Join a small group. A ministry team have been the biggest for me. Like if it weren't for the people that served alongside me long before I was a pastor, I would not be here. Jesus used them and still does. And so just avail yourself. Even if you struggle with trust. You know, um, the Hicks family, I'm still not trying to face this. They're moving, have moved down south. Um, I prayed against that. Didn't work. Um, but Tony, Tony um, Hicks, he, 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 he shared many times with me that like he really, for a lot of good reasons, struggles with trusting people. But this church, not me, not the building, you, have through ministry, through small groups, through all, like they have, right, ministered to him so that he's able to trust again. You can do it too. And if you are somebody who's in a good season right now, praise God for that. Remember that you will be used by Jesus to shepherd others. Who, me? But you know he doesn't leave that to the paid professionals like me or Bob or our staff. It's through the community of faith. And here's the beautiful thing. I have a front row seat of seeing so many of you show great compassion. Like I know you don't always see the fruit, but I see it. Not all the fruit, but I see you doing it. Some of you, brand new to the church, doing amazing things for others. Crazy. Keep going. If the Lord prompts you to send that text of encouragement now, not condemnation, all right? Or make that phone call, or make that meal, or go sit next to you. Don't think, oh, they're, they're, I don't want to bother them. I don't know anyone. There's a few weirdos out there, but I don't know anyone who's bothered by encouragement. Do you? If the Lord's prompting you, he's going to use you. Just obey. Obey. Whatever season you're in, Jesus will shepherd you. So here's how I want to, to leave you, and it won't be as long, I promise. Maybe I shouldn't promise, but I'm pretty sure. I've done this twice already. Pretty sure I can, I can do it. And, and, and it's still extremely important, so don't, don't miss it. Because I want you to ask you, do you have faith that God will fulfill his promises in the future? really important because it changes how you live, right? It changes how you live. Because remember, we live now 2,000 years. It's a, 2,000 years since all that took place. We've been reading these stories, reading our grandparents, our great-grandparents. They've been reading these stories. Like, and it's easy to get like they were in Jesus' day and just be like, yeah, he's coming again soon and, you know. But if you end up taking that for granted and not real, like, do you know, we have passages of the end, end times, not so you can get a scroll in your basement and try to figure out what the mark of the beast is, all right? It's so you're ready, ready. Because he said, I'm coming like a thief in the night. It'll be like the days of Noah where people are eating and drinking and marrying, and, right? And that's all he's saying is it's gonna be just like every, any other day and then boom, are you ready? Right, because what we see in these prophecies, remember, uh, you know, he's fulfilled a lot of those in the first coming, but not all. 
Like, yes, he's reigning as, as sovereign, but is he king that's brought peace and crushed all of his enemies? That was in there. Have we seen that yet? No. You see, it's no wonder that, that God's people, they, they believed the Messiah was going to come as an earthly king and rule and reign and, and destroy Rome, right? Because, because you, look, you looked at the prophecies, right? But they didn't understand that there was an already first advent, not yet, second advent. We live in the already, not yet. And that's a hard place to live. It's awesome in some ways as we look back, but it's tough because we're waiting for him to come again, to crush his enemies, to bring peace, to rule and reign over all the earth. Not just Jerusalem, all the earth. And so, you know, I'm very disappointed and, and nobody asked me last week, our whole theme was hope. And nobody asked where the rope of hope was. You guys are losing your fastball, all right? So I threw you a curveball and I brought it out today. This is how we're gonna end. Now this rope, um, most of you know, but there's newer people too. So this represents your life, your life. You have, you're made in the image of God and that means there's no end. Well, no matter what you believe, I, I truly believe in all my heart, you have been made in the image of God. So therefore, you're either gonna live for eternity with God or away from him. And so, so you have an everlasting life, right? And that's why this is not just a rope of hope, it's the rope of, of perspective. Because this green tape is this life here. It shouldn't even be this big, should it? And so the idea here is that the faith fulfilled produces a hope that he's already fulfilled so much, he's going to fulfill the rest. And when we, when we look that way, we have that perspective, even in our struggles and our questions and in our sicknesses and in our, you know, getting older or in our whatever it is, that we have that perspective that he is going to come, he is going to rule over everything, crush his enemies, and he will bring peace. It changes how you live, right? You don't live for your own kingdom or as much. And it changes how I might spend my money. It changes how I look at uh, who, uh, who uh, I might marry. Not me, of course. I've already married. But you, if you're not married. Or it might change how you date. It might change how you, uh, you know, view sexuality. It just changes how I might treat people who I don't really like very much, right? Because I'm looking ahead. And it influences my green tape experience. He is coming again. Maybe today. And it'll be far greater than those fireworks that we had last night. I tr trust me. It's going to make that look pathetic. When the Lord comes, you will hear it, you will know it, and every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Have you trusted him? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for those here who have never put their faith in Christ. You know who they are. I would ask that you would give them the faith to believe even with all the questions they have and, and struggles they might be enduring, that you would remind them that you died for them. You paid in full, paid in full, every last sin that they have committed or will. You are good. Lord, I pray for the struggling brothers and sisters in the room, whatever they might be really struggling with right now, hard to see you right now, Right now, the voice of the enemy is threatening to drown out the voice of the shepherd. I would pray that your voice would ring loud to them today. Fill them with faith. Fill them with strength, Lord. Put people around them that will, that will help shepherd them to where they need to go, towards you. 
We thank you, Lord, that you have come. And we look forward to the day, may it be today, that you come again. It's in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.